0: It's 6 o'clock, and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR, FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. I'm Claudio Mendonça, and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. The Biden administration recently approved the construction of two wind farm projects off the coast of California. They would be the first ones in our state waters, but fishermen say that the projects will threaten their livelihoods. Tonight's California report brings us a perspective from Morro Bay. Then, after a brief look at regional news and weather, we'll listen to Hospitality House's needs of the week, followed by Braveheart's. We close tonight with an essay by Molly Fisk.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. As thousands of firefighters confront a growing number of wildland blazes across the state, crews in Butte County rush to a new incident near the site of the deadliest fire in California history. At last check, the Dixie Fire has burned at least 1,200 acres and is 0% contained. KQED's Dan Brecky has more.
0: The Dixie Fire started Tuesday in the Feather River Canyon on the border of Butte and Plumas counties. CAL FIRE ground crews, aided by an aggressive aerial attack, including very large air tankers, worked to limit the fire's spread. The blaze started just five miles upriver from the spot where the 2018 campfire ignited. That wind-driven wildfire ravaged the town of Paradise and neighboring communities and killed 85 people. Unlike that catastrophe, winds so far have pushed the Dixie Fire away from nearby by towns. But residents of two communities, Polga and Magalia, have been advised they may have to evacuate. For the California Report, I'm Dan Brecky.
1: Meanwhile, crews are facing challenging conditions as they continue to work to extinguish the massive Beckworth Complex fire burning north of Lake Tahoe. It's currently the largest fire burning in the state. Jake Kegel with the U.S. Forest Service in Plumas National Forest described some of the conditions crews faced yesterday afternoon and evening.
2: The fire did spot out and it continued to grow. What we're seeing out there is the column is laying over and that's going laying over to the northeast with that we're seeing 50 mile an hour winds fire whirls so basically it's a tornado small little tornado with with firebrands in it and it's throwing it even further outside
1: and Kagel says that forced firefighters to ground aircraft in the firefighting effort. This new fire activity also forced new evacuation orders for the town of Doyle, where several homes have already been destroyed. The fire, which started following lightning strikes in the area, has burned nearly 96,000 acres and is currently 73 percent contained. Let's turn to energy. The Biden administration has approved what could become the first two offshore wind farms along the West Coast, one in Humboldt County and the other in Morro Bay. The wind farms would help California reach its goal of 100% clean electric power by the year 2045. But local fishermen worry the wind farms would jeopardize their livelihoods. So can offshore wind farms coexist with the state's fishing economy? KCRW's Catherine Barnes reports.
3: In the small city of Morro Bay along the central coast, fishermen pass by an ancient volcanic rock that stands like a giant at the tip of the harbor. And they're about to get a much taller neighbor, wind turbines.
1: These things are as big as skyscrapers. You're not going to drive your 21-foot boat through there and go catch rockfish. Are you out of your mind?
3: Chris Pavone is one of roughly 120 fishermen who trap, troll, and drop lines off Moro Bay and Avila Beach. He's used to having the ocean more or less to himself. But soon, he'll have to contend with hundreds of turbines. They'll be tall, taller than the Seattle Space Needle. And visible, kinda. They won't be in your face like the ones you've seen off the highway near Palm Springs— 17 miles off the coast, they'll look like faint lines poking out of the horizon. And they'll be balancing in deeper waters than turbines have ever known. We're talking thousands of feet. Walt Museal studies future technologies in the offshore wind industry at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory. He says these skyscrapers will be floating rather than fixed to the seafloor.
2: So basically it's the same wind turbine on top. From the surface, you might not even know that it's floating. But it's suspended or supported by a buoyant foundation. And it's moored with cables to the bottom with anchors.
3: The project is expected to take up roughly 400 square miles of ocean land, an area more than twice the size of Lake Tahoe.
2: And that's enough area to create the beginnings, at least, of a critical mass for an industry in California.
3: Not only could this project, along with the one approved in Humboldt, become a significant contributor to the state's zero-carbon policies, but it could also replace the energy California will lose once nearby Diablo Canyon shuts down. That's the state's last nuclear power plant and is in the process of getting decommissioned. Museal says wind developers could tap into Diablo's infrastructure to get their power to your home.
2: They have a transmission line that goes to the major California grid system. And when that plant gets decommissioned, that transmission line will be available for other uh, uses.
3: He says the Morro Bay wind farm will more than replace the electricity Diablo currently supplies California, enough to power about a million homes. And a recent Cal Poly study found the farm could generate at least 650 jobs and more than $250 million in annual economic impacts. But the 400-square-mile section will be closed off to fishermen. With mooring lines, cables, and live electrical wires draped underwater between each platform, it's too difficult and dangerous to be dropping nets, traps, and lines. Pavone says it'll become yet another place he can't fish, in addition to dozens of marine protected areas.
1: It's already, if you saw a map of where you can't fish, it's like a mosaic on the ocean. You're like, whoa, so you have to go around here and go over there? Yeah, it's crazy.
3: He worries more displacement will lead to more fuel costs, fewer fish brought to market, and ultimately, more people dissuaded from becoming fishermen at all. So far, only one prospective developer has reached out to the fishing industry to address these concerns. It's called Castle Wind, and Ala Weinstein is the CEO will create a fund for the benefit of the fishermen, and effectively it becomes a revenue-sharing agreement. In other words, if her company should win the bid for a lease, she's prepared to compensate each individual fisherman and set aside money for them to use at their discretion. Improving safety of the boats, improving boats, scholarships, training, whatever they feel is required, including some infrastructure repairs. Pavone and the other fishermen are happy with this agreement. But it's only one developer, who hasn't even won the bid for a lease yet. The federal government is expected to open the auction for wind developers to bid next year. For the California Report, I'm Katherine Barnes in Morrow Bay.
0: Support for the California Report comes from California Healthcare Foundation, ensuring the voices of Californians are heard in California's decisions about healthcare on the web at chcf.org voices. Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And SFMOMA presenting the exclusive U.S. exhibition of Nam June Beck, a visionary global artist who bridged art, music, performance, and technology. Learn more at sfmoma.org.
1: And that's a wrap for this edition of the California Report for Thursday, July 15th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks for listening. And as always, have a great day. No criminal charges are
0: expected to be filed against Nevada County Sheriff's deputies who fatally shot Sage Crawford earlier this year. That's according to a statement by the District Attorney's Office. The Union of Grass Valley reports that former Nevada County District Attorney Cliff Newell said in an email statement that the office's upcoming report on whether the deputies involved in the shooting should face discipline is not yet completed. However, he added that after reviewing police reports of the incident, his office made the determination not to file any charges against the officers. Nevada County's new DA, Jesse Wilson, who was sworn in on Monday, says that he hasn't seen any evidence in the Crawford case that would lead him to reverse Newell's decision on the matter. Wilson added that his office will only make a final announcement on the case after he has had an opportunity to review the completed report. Quote, the investigation is not complete, and being new to the position, I am not aware of any facts that would contradict what the former DA stated. However, the final decision will not be announced until the investigation is complete. Sage Crawford was killed during a confrontation with sheriff's deputies on Names Drive in Alta Sierra on February 4th of this year. Taking a look at regional weather, in Nevada City and Grass Valley, tonight clear with a low around 60, tomorrow is expected to be sunny with a high near 88. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight widespread haze between 8 p.m. and 11 p.m., then clear with a low around 46 degrees. Tomorrow will be hazy again, at least until 11 a.m., then sunny with a high near 79. And for Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, mostly clear, with a low around 55. Sunny skies on Friday, with a high near 89 degrees. Coming up next is Hospitality House's Needs of the Week, followed by Braveheart's. This week, Betty Louise concludes her conversation with Carly Pacheco and Serena Cantway, both of Freed, the independent living center in Grass Valley.
4: Christina Abkarian Marketing and Development Specialist at Hospitality House. Hospitality House is a year-round emergency homeless shelter for the general homeless community in Nevada County. Now on to the needs of the shelter for this week are blankets and sheets, twin size, new pillows, bottled water, bras all sizes, men's underwear, boxers sizes medium, large, and extra large, women's underwear sizes small, medium, and large, shampoo and conditioner travel size, men's and women's deodorant, duffel bags and backpacks. Please drop off urgent items or mail them to Utah's Place located in the Brunswick Basin past the DMB, at 1262 Sutton Way in Grass Valley. For a tax receipt, please ring the doorbell and wait for someone to come outside to assist you. We greatly appreciate the community's help in the words of you to Philips, if we all stick together, we'll all get what we need. Thank you.
1: Welcome to this edition of Bravehearts
5: where we hope to increase your awareness and understanding of what homelessness looks like and some of the many organizations working on solutions to improve the homeless crisis.
1: We are your hosts, William Wallace
2: and Betty Louise,
1: and these are the Bravehearts.
3: Enjoy this final episode with Carly Pacheco, And Serena Cantway
1: of freed. This technology that people need just so that they can communicate with
6: these
4: important people in their life. So can people
3: can they come here and zoom?
4: That's one of the things.
6: Absolutely, that's one of the things. But we also we want to set people up to be sustainable on their own. So we're working, we've worked throughout COVID on really bridging this digital divide. So we're really well versed in what low income options are available for folks and how they they can get connected to those in relation to internet, phone service, things like that. We've had um, some funding opportunities where we've been able to provide Chromebooks to people during COVID, which has been really great. We've got some more of that on its way. We're working on, on developing some, some more of those opportunities.
3: So tell me, you know, what do you see when homeless people come in here?
6: Yeah, and I want to acknowledge that that first step is often really hard. I think our society, we, we emphasize this individuality and this, I can stand on my own two feet and take care of myself. The truth is we're all interconnected and interdependent. None of us handle all of our own needs on our own by ourselves. We all rely on some system, group, service, business. We, all of us do. But when people come in, that step is really hard in a lot of cases for them to make. So we wanna do a quick connection. It's likely that, you know, we have waiting lists for most of our programs. That's a reality that we're living with. So it's likely that we can't immediately start services, but we have great information and assistance specialists who are gonna really get the person's story, help them understand what services are available. So hopefully they feel like they have made a step that mattered. I think there's one story that sticks out to me and it's a, a community member who passed away recently and she came to us it's probably been two years at this point when she first approached freed she was an older person she had just received a cancer diagnosis and she was in this situation where the place she had been renting for years was being sold and we're seeing this a lot I think how as housing the housing market is really hot right now we worked Pretty intensively for probably three months with her. Prior to that, she knew that eviction was coming. Her plan was to live in her storage unit and her car. So that was like her combination. She was undergoing cancer treatment. She didn't have kids that were alive to support her. She really didn't have family connections anymore. And that was a pretty rough situation. We worked really hard and Serena has mentioned all the collaboration that we do with local partners, so that definitely came into play. There was a local community member who had an RV that they donated. We were able to then use connections to get that RV into a local trailer park. She was applying to adjust her social security benefits based on her diagnosis and her health condition and what was going on, so we were able to support her through that process. And she lived out the end of her life there, but she had a place, right? Mm -hmm. She had heat. She had a hot shower. She had a place she could cook her meals. And so those are really the stories that I think stand out, right? Mm -hmm. Because... I think a lot of times there's a perception that people who end up homeless, it's just based on substance use, so they have an addiction of some sort, which I'll say that typically stems from some pretty significant childhood trauma or early life trauma, when you really dig into people's stories. So, you know, I think we need to think about our judgments there. Or people that just don't want to participate in society. They're not interested in getting a job. They're not interested. And we see people with a rich work history, with a lot of personal background that all of us could identify with, right? Who but for A diagnosis, an accident, a, you know, I can think of lots of issues. Mental health.
1: It goes on. It goes on that for that to happen,
4: life changed.
1: Thank you for joining us today. Our hope is this segment has opened your heart and mind. Be well and be kind.
5: This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Please visit calhum.org.
0: And now, Molly Fisk.
2: Molly Fisk Observations from a Working Poet.
5: By nine o'clock last night, all my appointments for today had canceled themselves. So I woke up to no schedule, which is my idea of heaven. It's also slated to be only 91 instead of yesterday's 97 degrees, a second miracle. I wanted to sleep in, but Sid woke me at six with a quick bite to the jaw that drew blood. I guess feeding him every few hours is also a schedule. After he was done picking at some chicken flavored Gerber baby food, and I was washed and dressed, we sat on the sofa together and talked about life. His concern was the fur between his left hind toes, which he addressed with vigor. I was thinking about thinking. When your work is writing, and especially self-determined creative writing, there's always the issue of what to write about. As I told Sid, a friend and I were discussing this on the way home from the lake, how great it is when we don't know exactly what our poem or essay will be about and discover the subject as we write. Personally, I think this is the fountain of youth, Letting your own brain surprise you like this is so enlivening. It makes you feel simultaneously connected to yourself and to mystery, a foundation of spiritual experience. You might end up writing about your 23-year-old cat, the one your sister likens to Keith Richards because he outlives everyone else, and it's still somehow profound. I had a boyfriend once who could steer any conversation on any subject to Keith Richards. I still don't know how he did it. You might be analyzing the minor league baseball season of 1964 and he would get Keith's name in there eventually. The Kings of France listed in order, vintage Lake Tahoe motorboat races, Meriwether Lewis and William Clark arriving in Oregon, anything. I was about to start timing how fast he could do it, but we broke up. Obsessions of this kind, deep and unwavering, are clearly a form of love. Even if Keith leaves you cold, as he does me. Watching someone else's devout attention to him can be beautiful. Perhaps these are the two sides of the coin of life. Getting surprised by what you're thinking and following something down a rabbit hole so familiar and cherished you could trace it in the dark. Both fueled by openness, but one to the unknown and the other to what's intensely familiar. What do you think? In my youth, there was a big split between those who admired the stones and those who chose the Beatles. Kind of a sex versus love delineation, experience or innocence. But adulthood, as you know, includes both. And growing up is the process of blending the two in your own way. Blending all kinds of seeming oppositions in your own way. You're allowed to like Charlie Watts and Ringo at the same time. And heck, Why not include Honey Lantry, Tito Puente, Max Roach, and Ginger Baker? There. Who knew from my opening sentence about schedules, we'd end up with all these great drummers? Not me. That's what's so fun about writing. Just ask Keith Richards. And you can do that at www.keithrichards.com backslash askkeith.
0: That concludes our newscast for tonight, Thursday, July 15th. We get support from Four Paws Animal Clinic, providing medical, dental, surgical services, alternative therapies, and cat boarding for cherished companions on Searles Avenue, Nevada City. Dr. Susan Murphy and staff proudly support KVMR. FOURPawsAC.com And... Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years, next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30. Sundays, 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. Next up is Money Matters with Mark Cunaberti, and then it's Democracy Now! at 7 o'clock. I'm Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for spending some time with us. Have a safe evening.